You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Thank you for that. And I'm glad the music was still kind of loud. Maybe some people didn't hear that in the room. Uh, yes, today is my birthday. Thank you. Um, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He just, um, although 45 is very young. You know, the older you get, the older old becomes. Amen? Come on. I am happily 39 years old today. Thank you very much. Um, shout out to Josh Hartong. Um, this morning, we went to Haiti a few months back, and, and when we're in Haiti, kind of, um, the way I look at it is, is kind of calories and stuff don't count, because you're on the mission field for Jesus, so you can eat and drink whatever, you know what I'm saying? Come on. Uh, and they have, basically, it's a Haitian Red Bull. It's called a Toro, and I don't drink sodas. I don't do energy drinks. I'm just, this is, you know, not my thing, um, but when I'm in Haiti, I will drink as many Toro to keep, that I can without my heart exploding, because I'm pretty sure if you drank two of them, your heart would explode because it's just caffeine and sugar. Well, he smuggled one back in a check bag and has had it waiting in his refrigerator for me on this day. So he has a very special place in heaven. He is the holiest man in the room today. (laughs) Praise God for Josh Hartong. It was just awesome. Um, Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Thank you for being the holiest people who decided not to go to the beach with all the other people this weekend. Thank you for being here. But aren't you grateful that um, for the men and women who serve and have served that have bought the opportunity for us to be able to worship here today. (laughs) Especially for those who have given the ultimate price so that we could freely come in here and worship our Lord today, man. Let's not rush through this weekend and go through all the kind of motions without taking some time to reflect on the men and women of of our military who, who have a job that we can't even fathom, right? Amen. Celebrate them one more time. Let's just honor them. Uh, uh, if, you, if you are new here, uh, my name is Matt, and I have the honor of being one of the pastors here at Vintage. And if you, are, if you are new, thank you for being here. If today's your first Sunday worshiping with us, we are grateful that you're here. Um, we realize that you could be a lot of other places today. And our hope is that if you're looking for a place to call home, a church to come and connect, and a community of faith that you can come and, and build relationships and grow in your walk, that maybe this would be that place. Um, we'd love to get to know you. In your seat's a little card. If you just fill that out, we're not going to harass you. We just want to, number one, we want to meet you in person. If you'll drop that card by the white connections tent that's on the sidewalk as you came in, there's just somebody in there that wants to shake your hand and say, thank you for worshiping with us today. And you will get a couple of emails that just says, hey, thank you for worshiping with us. Do you have any questions about our church? How can we pray for you? We're not trying to harass you or anything like that. And we understand that some people come for one Sunday, you're visiting with family, or maybe we're just not your cup of tea. Um, But we're glad that you're here. And we want you to know that we love you and we're committed to you. And for those of you who call this church home, man, thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. Thank you for so faithfully coming, and we hope that God's continuing to use our church in an amazing way in your life. Um, Today, we are continuing in just a quick two-week series called Empty Pockets, and so you can kind of guess what the subject matter is, and maybe if today's your first Sunday, you're like, oh, crap, I chose the wrong Sunday to come. Preachers talking about Monday. Where's the door? Where's the exit? Um, But here's the reality. Can we we, last week, I challenged you all to get real. If we're honest with ourselves, perhaps the single greatest source of stress and worry and arguments and anxiety in our life is what? Money, 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 right? It just is. 
I mean, if, if I could just kind of get into your head for the last seven days, there was a time when you were stressing, even this week, even if you were here last Sunday, about money. Because the reality is, got to have it. Come on. Some of y'all must not. Okay, cool. I mean, we do. We have to have I mean, And I, what I've discovered is, whether you have a lot of it or whether you have a little of it, it seems like no matter where you are on that scale, we all worry about it. We all stress over it. And, and I'm submitting to you over the next couple, over these couple of weeks that it will continue to be your greatest stressor. It will continue to be your number one source of worry until you put it in its place. And whether we like it or not, God in throughout scripture talks more about money and possessions than any other subject, uh, more than prayer, more than, any, more than any other subject you can name. God talks about the stewardship of money and possessions and those kind of things all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. A majority of what Jesus taught on centered around this issue because God realized how big of an idol that it can become in our lives. And so, and the reality is God doesn't care if you have money, but God just does not want money to have you. He does not want money to become the idol that it can so easily become in our culture. And so our object over the next couple weeks is just that one thing. All right, let's, let's put money in its place so that it doesn't become in our lives what it can so quickly and easily become. And to do that, we're going to use once again this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Grab a Bible, pull open the app if you have your phone out or it will be on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, right here in the center of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. This, this long sermon that Jesus preached that takes up pretty much the middle portion of Matthew's gospel where he addresses all kinds of different subjects. He says this in Matthew chapter 6. We'll start with verse 19. You ready to hear the word of God? Say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where malls and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where malls and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is reminding us to avoid the temptation to invest in the temporary. That so often we can pour so much of our resources, so much of our energy, time, money, all the things that, that are the resources that God has allowed us to have, we can pour those things into stuff that just doesn't last. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't pour all of your energy. Don't invest all of you into things that are, that are not going to be eternal. Invest in the eternal, not the temporary. Then he says this in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then this famous line that Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you drop down to verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus is reminding us, hey, you got to put money in its place, in its rightful place. I'm the kind of person that lives very strictly by the motto, a place for everything and everything in its place. Anybody else with me? Okay, see y'all next Sunday. 
Like, I'm, I'm just like that. Like, I, like, if you come into my house, like, I have a specific place. And I guess it's because that's just kind of how I grew up. Like, if I, if I borrowed something of my dad's and then he went back to get it later and I did not put it back where it was supposed to be, it was going to be bad for Matt. Amen. Like, and, and that's just the way I live my life. I, like, I have a place for everything and everything in its place. And so, like, I can't stand clutter. I just don't do clutter. Like, if something is just laying around, like, it, it needs to find a home. It needs to find a place. And so much so, like, it gets me in trouble at home. Uh, I mean, because anybody else, you have these things where, like, stuff just begins to accumulate. That one spot in your house, you, come on, you know where it is. Like, when, and I see people looking at their spouses and like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, it's, it's a place in the cou- on the counter in the kitchen or a desk. Or, and it's kind of like when, when you get mail or when you get certain things, and you just kind of set it there. Y- y- y'all, kinda, y'all know what I'm talking about? Let me say amen. I hate those places. That stuff's got to find a home. And for us, it's, our, it's, it's somewhere in our kitchen. It's our kitchen counter. And I love my wife. I think she's in this service, so I'm going to have to be really careful what I say over the next few minutes. In a few weeks, we'll celebrate 17 years of marriage. She's, she, I love her, but she... She'll leave stuff where it don't belong. Come on. And so you know what I do? Like, sometimes I throw it away. I'm not meaning to, but I'm like, it's sat there for like four days. I mean, like not long ago, she went to the store. Like, she went to Walmart or somewhere like that. And, and, and like, along with the groceries, she bought toothpaste and deodorant. And the toothpaste and deodorant stay on the counter for like 48 hours. She had been to the bathroom in 48 hours? Just grab it and take it with you. I really thought about, I'm going to throw this in the trash can and teach her a lesson. Husbands, don't teach your spouse a lesson. It ain't good. It will not go well. But there's been times like, you know, stuff just begins to like accumulate. And like I've thrown stuff. One year I threw our insurance cards away. Like it it was in a bunch of papers and they weren't supposed to be there. Like I'm just, that's just kind of how I am. Like I I, I compartmentalize all of, of, of my life and everything has a place. And, and like, I think most of us tend to kind of compartmentalize our lives. Like, as we go throughout life, like, like we begin to just kind of accumulate, right? And we begin to put everything in a specific spot. And, and as we move throughout our life, everything kind of has its own little compartment, right? As we, and as we grow up, and as we get older, and as we learn things, and as we experience life, like, we just begin to accumulate these things, these perspectives, these areas of our lives that matter, these ideas, these opinions, these different portions of our lives, whether it be our relationships, our hobbies, our careers, our future, our families, all of these different things, and some of them are big, and some of them are small, and some of them are, are of different sizes, but we kind of compartmentalize everything, right? You with me? You follow me? Say amen. And so just kind of as we go throughout li- our lives, we're, we're, we're shaping ideas and perspectives on all these things, and we begin to just carry all these things. We have, like, you know, maybe we have, like, our relationships, and they're, they're one part of our lives, and we have different ideas and thoughts and processes and perspectives on what relationships are supposed to be and what our role is supposed to be in these different relationships and how they function and how they work and how they serve us and how we serve them. And, and, you know, we have, like, our careers and, and like, what we want to do with our, our ambitions and our drive and stuff that we want to accomplish in our lives and our goals. And, like, they're, they're kind of another section of our lives. And then, you know, you just kind of keep piling it up and piling it up and piling it up, piling it up. And next thing you know, like, you're carrying all this stuff. And, like, it represents all these different arenas and areas of your life. 
And as you grow up and as you experience life and as you go through, you know, we're shaped by everything. We're shaped by culture and we're shaped by our upbringing and our families. And so our, our perspectives and how we manage and deal with all these things just begins to be so much. And can we just be honest? Carrying all this stuff gets hard. Like if one of these boxes doesn't drop soon, it'll be a miracle. But then for some of us, there comes a moment when, when, when we find God. When, when, when we meet Jesus. Brett Hocamp, would you come up here? Y'all give Brett some love. <laughs> Brett's going to represent God for me. Nice shirt, homie. Then it, 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 let's see, look at, he, he, he looks like he could be a God. Look at him. <laughs> Burly of a man. See, there's some, some, there's comes a point where some of us, like, we, we have a faith experience. We have this encounter where, where we, we give our hearts to Jesus and, and we believe in his truth and we believe in what he did on the cross and our lives begin to change and we begin to walk with God and understand God and who he is and what he wants for our lives. Maybe we begin to dive into, our, into the word and what we realize is, is God has a lot to say about all this stuff. Thank you, God. And see, there comes a time when actually we just kind of begin to hand him stuff, right? But see, none of us, we, we don't give him everything at once, do we? Come on. Like as we get to know God and as we walk with him and we realize more of what he says and what he expects from us, the more we kind of trust him, like, okay, I think, I, think I'll let, I think I'll let you have some of this, Lord. And, and the more we kind of allow him to, to work in specific areas of our lives, and maybe we have like a hierarchy of what he give him, we give him first. Kind of the, the, the least important stuff of our lives or maybe the, probably the first things we let go if we're honest. Come on. Say amen. Yeah. And then there comes a time when, you know what, we begin to just kind of give him more and more. And the longer we walk with him and the more we trust him, the more we begin to understand what he desires for us, the more we kind of are willing to kind of let go and the more we're kind of give him all this kind of stuff and we just allow him to hold it and carry for us. But can we honest, there's sometimes we're like, we, we've given God some things, and then what God wants to do with it, and God, how God wants to use it, like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to take that back. <laughs> Mm-mm. Come on, you've done it. Like, we've given him this area of our lives, but all of a sudden, God starts meddling. And some of the things he says, like, no, God, that ain't good. Like, that's, that's uncomfortable. That's asking a little too much. That's pushing me outside kind of my limits. And, and so maybe we don't trust him, like, and so we kind of go back and forth. Or maybe there's some of these things, like, like maybe if this one represents our relationships, we open up the box and be like, you can have my relationship with my kids, but my spouse, she's crazy. Uh-uh, I'm going to keep that one. And we kind of pick and choose. And there's times when we, we hold more things than others, and there's times we kind of go back and forth between trusting God and wanting to do things our way, and then going back and giving it to God again. And you know what? We take it back, and then we screw it up. I'm like, God, no, you can have it. I'm sorry. No, I want it back. And that's kind of how we roll through life. Come on, somebody's got to be identifying with what I'm saying right now. Come on. Like, this is how we walk through life. And we sit in a, in a, in a place like this, and we get convicted. Like, oh, you're right, God. You're supposed to have it till Monday. Then I'm going to take it back. But I'm, can, I be, can I just be, I'm be real? We're going to be real. You know what? I Just in, in years of ministry and years of just knowing people and knowing what I've been myself, the very last thing we are willing to let go and give God is our money. Like some of us want to get baptized like this. Like you can have it all, God, set my money. And I don't know why that is. 
It's amazing what we'll trust him with. And, and really, can we, let's be honest. The evidence of whether or not he has it is whether or not you're obedient in that area. Agreed? If we're not obedient in that area, then he doesn't have it. It's the truth. And the last thing that we want to let go of is our money, if we're just really honest. And that's why it still becomes the source of worry and stress and that constant frustrating area of our lives that is because we just have a hard time giving it to him. And the whole point of this series is to let him have it. And you know what I've discovered? If we don't trust God with everything, we're risking a time when we won't trust him with anything. If we don't trust him with all, there comes times when we have trouble trusting him at all. Because here's what's happened. We give God all this stuff, but we keep this one thing, and then we make decisions that screw this one thing up, and guess who we get mad at? God. And God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew this wasn't going to happen. I knew this was going to work out, and you didn't listen to me, and you didn't hear my prayer, so I'm taking it all back. And the whole point of this series is just to give it to him. And to do that, we're going to have to learn a couple more things today. Y'all give Brett a hand. Thank you, buddy. You can drop those in there. Awesome. See, remember that passage that we looked at last week, Proverbs chapter 3? This is a, a scripture that you guys know. You've quoted it. You, you have it crocheted in your grandma's living room. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in how many of your ways? All your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, what, what God is saying all throughout Scripture is all these little things that are your life, all of them need to be mine. Every single one needs to be submitted, surrendered, given over to me. I need to have a say. I need to speak into them. They need to be shaped and driven and covered by my word. And see, we love that verse, right? We love Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. I learned it in King James. But have you ever dropped down to verse 9 of that very same proverb? See, if you just drop down three verses, then it, look what he says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Nobody has that one cross-stitched on a throw pillow. So Jesus, but I mean, God says through, through the Proverbs, in all your ways submit to him. And just a few verses later, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So I have a question for you. What impact is your faith having on your finances? Because if it's, if, if, if it's been given to him, if it's been surrendered to him, then you're allowing him to speak into what you do with it, how you use it, how you view it, how you see it, what it is becoming your life. And we talked about last week that, that the beginning of this process is we surrender our resources, our finances to God, then it begins with perspective and, to, and stewardship. Like we begin with the perspective of it's not all from me and for me, it's all from him and for him, everything I have. Everything I have is because of God and for God and whatever he wants to do. It, that perspective is, it's not just for some of us who grew up in the church, like 
God, give God just 10% of your money. No, God wants all of who you are. Come on. Every single bit, every single dime, every single minute, every single moment, every single relationship, everything that you are needs to be under the umbrella of the influence of your faith. And when you have that perspective, the way you will steward your resources will begin to evolve. And then last week we talked about dependence and contentment. That we have to shift from, shift from realizing like our security is not in money. Like your security is not found in your 401k. It's found in God. He is your source and your shield. And he is the one that you need to be dependent on. And when you learn to be dependent on him, you begin to learn the attitude and the spirit of contentment. And without contentment, we will, content, we will continue to be overspenders. We're an upgrade culture. Come on. And to get to this place of contentment. But one of the things that will be evidenced, that will be the fruit of, uh, of you giving your resources to God is, is, is the thing I want to kind of finish on today. And this thing is why we have such a hard time letting go of this. Because if God has this, we will give generously. Some of y'all are like, he's been setting us up for this. Here it comes. I just want to read some scriptures to you today. Not, not because I think this or because I'm trying to accomplish anything, but because all throughout scripture, we, we are taught that those who follow Jesus give generously. And I don't just mean money. Anybody can give, believers give generously. Like generosity is, is one of the main attributes of somebody who follows Jesus. Come on. Like, okay, we, I, the, the spirit of this church, the reason this church was started was because our desire was to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Our hope was we would create a community of faith that helped people understand who Jesus was, what he did, what he wanted for us, that he came more to just to die on the cross for us. He came to demonstrate how we're supposed to live life and our lives are supposed to be a mirror of reflection of how he lived amen that's what being a christian a christ follower is all about jesus at his very core was generous he gave all of himself away and growing in christ means more and more we give ourselves away for the betterment of other people we are called to be generous to give generously and some of y'all are like, like, I get that. I know that about this. So, uh, so I'm generous with my time and I'm generous with this. That's great. But we're supposed to be generous in every single area of our lives. And we can't say, you know what? I'll be generous with all that. But no, nah, we're going to keep money over here, bro. Jesus, don't touch it. But can we be honest? Like that's how, that's how we want to act at times. And some of y'all are thinking, was that really what, what God wants from us? Let me just read the Bible. How about that? Come on. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And everything I did, I showed that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering of the, uh, the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He said other things like this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over 
will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you Jesus constantly challenged us to be generous and I see more and more in so many places, generosity being something that's squeezed out of the church. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it's because, unfortunately, some pastor stood up here and, and made you promises that he couldn't keep. But if you just be generous and all these things, and I believe God honors obedience. But when you get to the point when you're given so you can get something, you've missed the point. And you know what? So many of the issues that I see in our culture is, is, is a failure of the church. God never intended for the government to take care of poor people. He gave that assignment to the church. That should have got an amen. I just think so. I mean, what, that's what we're looking at, right? We're looking for all these different things and all these different programs and to think somehow that the poor, the responsibility of the poor comes to somebody else. Jesus gave the responsibility of caring for other people to the people that would call his name and establish his church. We are the ones that are supposed to be the people that are meeting the needs of other people and helping other people benefit from our generosity as they struggle throughout their lives. The re when this church was born out of me studying the book of Acts, and I'll never forget, as the church was born after the day of Pentecost, as the early church began to rise up, it says in Scripture that in the early church there were no needy persons among them. You know why? Because the church was being generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, start at verse 6. Remember this. <coughs> Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or out of guilt or obligation. For God loves a, church, a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Notice he is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God designed for the world to function through the generosity of his people. And there are some people that may push back this whole generosity thing. But you know what? You didn't push back of it when you were on the getting side of it. And we've all been the benefactors of the generosity of somebody else throughout our lives, haven't we? Say amen if you've had a time where the generosity of somebody else bailed you out. Where there was a time when you couldn't pay that bill, you couldn't put that meal on the table, you were struggling, and somebody in your family or in the church or a neighbor or a friend who God strategically placed in your life and put a burden on their heart and was obedient to God and they were generous and you got the benefits of it. If you haven't been there, then I don't know how to identify with you. Because I've been there so many times in my life, come on. And how God just out of nowhere, like when you're worrying about it and you're stressing about it and you're praying about it and you're legitimately in a place where you are completely busted and you have no control and you can't make it happen and then God sends somebody who acts in obedience. And you know what? When they're generous then, you all about say, well, I love generous. I love generosity. That's how God has used it from time to time in all of our lives. And if we're going to give God our resources, if we're going to put our finances under his control, the fruit of that decision will be evidenced by our willingness to be generous. 
First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, command those who are rich in the present world. Now, some of y'all just tuned out. You should be like, rich? Nope, not me. Keep reading. Right? That's how some of us think. We, we read verses like this. Command those who are rich in the present world. You think, I am po. Not poor, po. And so, like, this verse does not apply to me. Can, you, can I just uh, help you understand that at its very core, the definition of rich means having more than you need. And so the, the, the poorest person in this room, especially in, in the overall global scheme of things, is very, very rich. We just got back from Haiti where the, where the, the average person lives on less than a dollar a day. Like, so in other words, if you have more than, if you have today, if you have breakfast this morning and you go home and you got enough food in your house to not only give you lunch, but just to give you supper and maybe the next three or four days, you are rich. Some of us are so rich, you late for church because you stood in the closet for 30 minutes and couldn't decide what to wear because you got so many options. Like we are rich. Come on, church. Can we be honest? When we boil it down to perspective, we are so much more wealthy than we want to believe. Even the poorest person in our culture is so much more wealthy than we ever want to admit or realize. So you can't just check out on this verse. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good needs, and to be generous and willing to share. And now some of y'all, when, when you hear when you hear generous, you're thinking like it's all about the dollar amount. Like like generous, it, it, you have you have kind of a, an idea in your mind. Like like this is what it means to be generous. It's this amount of money. But when in, in God's economy, what God expects from us is is obedience in proportion with what He's given us. Does that make sense? You with me? He expects us to be in obedience and proportionate with what he's given us. And it's not about the amount of money. It's about obedience. And we don't give out of abundance. We give out of obedience. We give out of what God's calling us to give. Not somebody's pressuring us or guilting us or some preacher's telling you, you got to give. I'm telling you, we give out of obedience to God and his word. Remember this story that Jesus told in Mark chapter 12, verse 41? Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temporal treasury. So Jesus is like sitting beside the offering plate just watching it. I'm going to do that next Sunday. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Jesus is watching them and there's people coming by and look what he says. He says, many rich people threw in large amounts. So Jesus is watching these people and there's these super rich, wealthy, well-off people and they're just dumping all kinds of money in there. Verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has more, has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. See, it's not about the dollar amount. It's about being obedient to what God is calling us to do. 
when we started this church, I, I raised my own, my own support for the first three years. So the, chur- the church didn't pay me a salary out of tithes and offerings for three years. I had went around and just raised my money like a, like a missionary would. I went to, to everybody that had a dollar and said, will you give me a dollar? And I mean, I went to everybody I could think of because I wanted every dime that came in in tithes and offerings in our church for those first few years especially just to go back into the ministry of the church to help us get started and to invest in our community and do those kinds of things. And I had, and God blessed, and somehow we were able to make that happen. And I had some very faithful people who, who God has blessed, give me some, some, some pretty good size amounts for, 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 that, for that process. But the one that stands out the most was, was Millie. Miss Millie, att- she attended the, the Ram Sewer Wesleyan Church here in our county. And every month for three years, I got a $5 Western Union moneygram from Miss Millie. Every month for three years. Miss Millie didn't have a checking account. Miss Millie didn't have a driver's license. So every month, she had to walk or get somebody to take her to what used to be, I think, a Lowe's Foods in Ramsour. And she would have to go to that Lowe's Foods, give the $5 in cash, she'd get a Western Union moneygram, and then she would put it in an envelope, she'd go to the post office and mail that to me. She was probably in her 70s or 80s at the time. And every year, for three years, I got a $5 Western Union moneygram from Miss Millie. She was just being obedient to what God had called her to do to be generous in my life. See, don't misunderstand what generosity looks like in God's economy. And don't misunderstand that generosity is, is never easy. And generosity is not just a financial thing. There's some people that, that financially they could write the biggest checks in the world, but they're not willing, excuse me, to get off their backside and get their hands dirty and do a thing in the kingdom of God. Because it can just take five seconds for some people to write a check. Come on. God's called us to be obedient. He's called us to be generous. And you know what? That generosity, I believe, includes investing in the local church. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I know how people get when we start talking about this. But I believe in tithing. I believe in giving the first 10% of what God's given me to the local church. Not because I feel obligated to do that or not because I'm wanting something in return. Again, like I said last week, I believe the local church is the only thing that Jesus appointed to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And there's no greater thing investing in than people coming to know Jesus. I just believe that. And I believe in scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now about the collection of the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, I know collections will have to be made. Jesus reminded the Pharisees that they needed to tithe and serve people. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind gods, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. In other words, he's saying what you consume is far bigger than what you give. We're called to be generous in every area of our lives. And can I, let's just be honest, the kind of generosity that God's calling us to, it don't just happen. I don't know about you, but when I want to do something intentionally with my money, like, it doesn't just happen. Like, for some of us, we don't just get to go to the beach every year. Like, we go to the beach, we get home from the beach, and that week we start saving for the beach the next year, or we don't go to the beach. Anybody else with me say amen? Oh, y'all rich. Okay, that's how we roll. I mean, we got to prepare. 
And the same way with giving. It's like when giving becomes a priority for us, it's not something that we just, okay, you know, because there's times that we have to be prepared to, to be generous when God calls us to, but we don't live our lifestyle and we don't approach our finances to be ready to give. Like we approach our finances like when we want to buy something for us, when we want a new car or a new house or new something, when we, we want to do something with our money, we plan and we're strategic and we want to do something with it. What if being given these things over to God means we do that with giving? Y'all thinking, Matt, you're crazy. Well, let me just... Most of us live our lives like this. Live, save, give. Like, that's our priority in finances. Live, save, give. Like, first of all, we're going to live it up. Right, we're going to live. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to have the house we want, the car we want, the clothes we want, the things we want, we're gonna we, the gadgets we want, the trips we want. Like, we're going to live. And then, after we've lived the way we want to live, if there's anything left, the next thing we're going to think about doing is we might think about saving a little bit. And then after we've lived a whole lot and we've saved a little bit, if there happens to be anything left, then maybe we'll give. Come on. Isn't that kind of how we most approach it? Because there's some people, I hear this all the time, I can't, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to be generous. You know why? Because you've been too busy living. Because see, what's last gets all the pressure. Right? What's last gets all the pressure. Because if we've done all these things with the first two, Whatever's last has to get the adjustment, get the compromise, get the scraps. And what if God is calling us to flip that a little bit? And say, you know what, the first thing, because what was it it said in Proverbs 3, 9? The first fruits. What did it say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. What, I know this is crazy, but what if we said, you know what, we're going to give first and then we're going to save to make sure that we can handle the unexpected and things in our lives and then what if what just what if what if we adjusted our lifestyle to the rest and instead of God getting our scraps he got our first just saying if we're going to follow Jesus and if we're going to allow God to have everything including including our money the thing that's going to demonstrate that he has that in our lives as we'll be generous with it, just like we're generous with all the other areas of our lives that he's supposed to have. And the only other alternative is just to be greedy. It's kind of either generous or greedy, isn't it? Is there really no middle ground, is there? Come on. It's either give and be generous or, 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 or hoard and be, and be greedy. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, I just think he said it like that. Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, all kinds. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. Like I got all this stuff and I got no place to put it. What should I do with it? Should I, should I give it to people who need it? Should I, should I be generous? No, no, I think I, what I'll do instead um, is verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. 
eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The reality is, money, until it's put in its place, it'll control you. It'll dominate your mind. It'll be a source of worry. And the only way to solve that is to put money in its place. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And our reluctance to give God this area of our lives is because what he wants from it, we just don't like. We're just uncomfortable with. And I get it. And it's hard. Church doesn't want your money. Church is dependent on God as much as you are. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And he can't have your heart if this already has it. So let's put money in its place. Father, thank you for your word, for the way it challenges us, for the way it speaks right into the very part of where we are. And God, this subject is a subject that we find difficult to, to wrestle with and to teach on and to apply truth in. And God, I know there are people probably within the sound of my voice that are already struggling with this and have certain feelings about things that have been said today. But God, I pray that you would speak. And God, for those of us who have that temptation that, to allow money to so often just become more in us than it's supposed to. God, help us just to have the courage today to make changes. To give you everything that we have, including our finances, to allow you to be in control. And God, if there's anybody on the side of my voice that is yet to allow that to happen, I pray that you would use this time of worship to stretch us and challenge us and change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand. Let's worship together this morning. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.